and welcome to the Parley at the Hindu. I'm Sohasini Heather. This week, New Delhi welcomed a young king from a country that is one of India's oldest friends. Bhutan's fifth king, King Jigme Kesar Namgyal Wangchuk, was in Delhi for talks. Uh, while the official releases, uh, along with the, the conversation with Prime Minister Narendra Modi and the joint statement the two countries put out, dwelt on bilateral ties, India's support for Bhutan's development, uh, also cooperation on everything from hydropower to space. The unspoken worries through the visit were really over China. Over the past two years, Bhutan and China seem to have made considerable progress over boundary talks, on disputed areas, at least one of which India is most concerned about, the Doklam area and the tri-junction with India. If a deal for uh, the Doklam uh, region that is disputed gives China more access to India's chicken neck or the what's called the Siliguri Corridor, that would radically change India's strategic threat perceptions. On the other hand, asking Bhutan to stop the deal could cause problems in bilateral ties that were even described this week by the foreign secretary as exemplary ties. So the question we're asking on the parlay today is, is the India-Bhutan relationship intact? And what can be done to help tide over any concerns in those ties? With me are two very important voices on this deep and sensitive relationship. Former ambassador to Bhutan, Pavan Varma, he's the author of many books, diplomat and politician, more recently a member of parliament. Former Ambassador Funchok Stobdan is an academic and the author of The Great Game in the Buddhist Himalayas, India and China's Quest for Strategic Dominance. He's also served as India's ambassador in Central Asia. Thank you so much for joining us on the parlay. Thank you. Thank you. Ambassador Varma, if I could just start with you. We heard Foreign Secretary Vinay Quatra this week refer to Bhutan-India ties as exemplary. Uh, we always hear about them being especially close. It's a unique relationship. You were posted there, of course. What do you think are really the underpinnings of this very exemplary relationship between India and Bhutan that sets it apart? I think perhaps uh, the most successful aspect of Indian diplomacy in our neighborhood has been the manner in which we have structured and nurtured our relationship with Bhutan. It goes without saying that Bhutan is not only a neighbor, but a very important and strategic neighbor. It has a border with India, which is over 600 kilometers long, and it plays the role of a buffer between China and India. But that apart, what was important is that we built on certain absolute foundational imperatives to strengthen this relationship right after our independence. And we created a milieu whereby the big brother, to the best of my knowledge, syndrome, was not applicable to Bhutan. I myself, as ambassador, when I was there, used to always refer to this relationship where it was a privilege for India to interact with Bhutan. And over the years, we have given to this friendship 
from the time of the visit of pandit jawaharlal nehru in the 1958 when he trekked across the himalayas to reach bhutan and assured it of its independence and sovereignty to the present time by an institutional network in which the interests of bhutan are linked with the interests of india and vice versa and the best example for that apart from any other thing and there are many things that can be mentioned is the economic relationship between the two countries i'm not talking of the other facets which are very important but economically india is bhutan's largest development partner india is largest export market for bhutan india is the largest source of imports for bhutan exports are over 90% imports are over 90% and most importantly we have managed to create this bonding between us not only through rhetoric but through the harnessing of hydroelectricity by which the free flowing water of the rivers in bhutan which come down from the himalayas to india have been used to generate hydropower electricity through joint agreements between the two countries whereby india is the buyer of power generated in bhutan and hydroelectricity has become one of the biggest revenue earners of bhutan making it in south asia today perhaps the country with the highest per capita income of any of the others so therefore this is a relationship which i consider as a success and there are other factors which we can discuss as we go along including the fact that in the on the south bhutan has a border with india which is easy to cross there are cultural ties uh, there are ties through buddhism but on the north you have 20000 feet high himalayas and there is a residual fear in the in, in my view fear in the mind of the bhutanese especially after what happened in tibet and bhutan tibet and spilling into arunachal pradesh are really a continuum of a very well established tibetan culture there are variations but it's part of that and therefore bhutan turned towards india and we have managed to nurture that relationship very well right uh, ambassador stopdan if i could ask you to pick up right from there um what do you think because of course your book deals with the fact that these himalayan kingdoms uh, were in fact buddhist and they had that common thread between them what do you think uh, essentially is behind the really special relationship between bhutan and india is it culture is it history or is it as ambassador verma uh, points out really nurtured by the kind of modern development that india has supported i think i'll uh, pick up from the last sentence which ambassador verma has you the india and border with china uh, i think i will go a little bit beyond the transactional developmental or in that relationship that we have built us i think very basis of the state is being built not vis-a-vis india it was built in 17th century vis-a-vis china 
they wanted to identify not China, we are not Tibet. So uh, India becomes uh, number one sort of a choice. This is not built because this is not, but it is built because it is not Tibet. But history is very important. Uh, in the 17th century, when this Jabdung Nam had broke away from Tibet and he formed his own king, that continued. And there is no other way to re-merge with Tibet or today China. So that, that's very important aspect of Bhutan as in. And also perhaps it, it has a painting of theology. Uh, it is an saint, a tantric saint, Padmasambhava, uh, on whose philosophy Bhutan today surviving as a nation, as a used to be a theocracy, but today it's a modern state. Well, that aspect is very important when you talk about India, again refined by the Britishers, not us. What we continued to the 60s on the 50s was what the British had built. British built this Bhutan state in 1906. This is how this kingdom has come up. And you have this uh, new king, a British creation. So uh, a clear idea about this Himalayan states, including why Bhutan is special and why not so special, is this dimension of it. So therefore, it is so solid. It cannot be uh, the whole existence of the Bhutanese nation in Indic sort of uh, people say that you know it was Kuch Bihar king uh, king also which used to rule Bhutan till the seventh century, but that's not very clear. Uh, so uh, it is special for us from the historical context, from the theological context, from spiritual context, economic. Of course, now we have developed in a, such a big area; uh, it cannot be separated. Yeah, very interesting that you're essentially saying that Bhutan made clear its distinction from Tibet by uh, closer ties uh, with India. Uh, now, to the present, uh, there have, of course, been uh, uh, Bhutanese kings have always had very strong relationships in Delhi. This week, the fifth king visited and there was very, very high level meetings. Prime Minister Modi, President Draupadi Murmu, uh, a dinner hosted by External Affairs Minister Jay Shankar as well. Um, according to you, was there something about the timing of the visit? Uh, because many have uh, speculated that the visit was actually timed perhaps to talk about where Bhutan-China boundary talks are going. Ambassador Verma? Personally, I do not think that is the context of the visit. Traditionally, one of the significant features of this relationship has been the regularity and consistency of high-level visits. You may recall that even after the UPA government, when Mr. Narendra Modi and the NDA government came to power, the first country the prime minister visited was Bhutan. And so high-level exchanges on a regular basis, including summit talks between the two countries, have become a norm. The visit of the king of Bhutan, I, in my view and from my knowledge, was planned far in advance. And I don't believe there was any specific reason at this moment to consider it to be linked to any suddenly new, the emergence of any sudden new problem between Bhutan and China and therefore between India and Bhutan. I don't think that's the context. 
Right. Of course, the reason one asked that is because just last week, uh, Prime Minister Lotte Schering gave an interview while he was in Europe, uh, where he said two or three things. One, uh, that China-Bhutan boundary talks are going very well. Uh, second, that uh, that they have a, a very good understanding of each other in this. Uh, he also said that the demarcation process to the north northern boundaries of Bhutan was actually progressing and may be actually possible to draw a line within one or two meetings. So he's talking about uh, an agreement pretty uh, quickly. Could I just ask you, Ambassador Verma, do you think that there is a concern in India over a possible breakthrough on boundary talks between Bhutan and China? Let me put it candidly to you. It's a concern which is one of the most important factors in the manner in which the relationship with Bhutan has been structured. China has been seeking a toehold in Bhutan for decades now. The Chinese realize the strategic importance of Bhutan and there are only two contributed borders, land borders. One is India and one is Bhutan. Now, where Bhutan decides its boundary with China is of exceptional relevance to India because it's a tri-junction of three countries. And Bhutan, let me say, at least from my experience, is fully conscious of India's strategic needs. And therefore, even as per the 2007 Treaty of Friendship and Peace between India and Bhutan, both countries consult at a high level in order to be able to maximize or reinforce the mutual strategic interests of each other. And therefore, Bhutan has been having talks with China on the boundary questions for years now. And there has been no decision yet. Similarly, India and China have frequently had boundary-level talks without yet an agreement being reached. So the, the Bhutanese prime minister was not saying anything new when he said that three countries are involved there. We are having talks with China to see where to resolve our border. But this is not only a bilateral matter between Bhutan and China, because the interests of India are also involved. I, I think he was speaking particularly about the tri-junction there. Uh, Ambassador Stopdan, um, do you think there is a reason for concern if there is a breakthrough with China? The reason I ask is obviously, as uh, Ambassador Varma said, the relationship with India is unique. Bhutan doesn't actually have diplomatic ties with China, has not sought closer relations with China in that sense. But do you think the specific breakthrough at the uh, Chinese-Bhutanese boundary is uh, is a is a matter of concern for India? Yes, I think uh, I I don't believe that government of India was not aware about what was happening between the Chinese and the Bhutanese, and what Prime Minister uh, Chering was going to speak uh, or has such kind of ideas. But uh, listening to what Foreign Secretary statement uh, yesterday, uh, very interesting. I think three points he made it very clear. Well, he talked about special relationship, exemplary relationship, blah, blah, blah. That was very important. 
He also said that whatever Bhutan and China does, that's none of our business. I don't want to talk about it. But when it comes to security of India, we will take our own call. It's a national interest. There, nothing will be compromised. So these three points are very important. I think uh, the language was very tough, I believe. And there's a change in the tone, even from our side. They, we made it very clear that when it comes to tri-junction, there will be no compromise. While in the North, you want to do some adjustment with the Chinese, go ahead. That's that, It's none of our concern. But they're treaty-bound. And we have common interest, common understanding on the security issues. So I think they reminded he reminded the Bhutanese to be mindful about those issues. And uh, when it comes to Indian security, we will act uh, in our own interest. So I think there is a there is a sense that uh, people are concerned. I actually thought it is a media creation. Uh, maybe NDTV or somebody broke the story about this Belgian um, interview. But uh, judging from the media within Bhutan, uh, I think uh, Bhutanese were trying to cover it up, but uh, uh, government was not talking about, both the government was uh, not uh, talking much about this issue. But I think Foreign Secretary uh, statement made it very clear that we are concerned about it. Uh, it's certainly interesting that you, you both have different perspectives on this. Ambassador Verma, if I could just take you back to, say, 2017. In Doklam, when there was uh, the standoff between Indian and Chinese soldiers, uh, and that ended, India played it as a huge victory. They said the Chinese soldiers had uh, stepped down and India had been able to, in a sense, protect Bhutan's interests. Uh, over the next five to six years, however, we saw China continuing its buildup over the plateau. Uh, um, we saw, uh, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure being built. Uh, we saw roads being built. Even small villages have been seen on satellite as well. Since then, Bhutan has more or less remained quiet, saying only perhaps the prime minister said in an interview there should be no unilateral change of the status quo. Give us a sense of how you think Doklam itself played out in Bhutan. Did it change Bhutan's strategic uh, calculus, if you like? I don't believe so. Actually, China has been offering to Bhutan vast territories in concession on the east in order to obtain a much smaller territory, which is the Doklam Plateau. Bhutan has resisted consistently over the years this offer or its acceptance. And that is because Bhutan understands what are India's security concerns. And it will therefore, I, I am very, very doubtful whether it will unilaterally decide its border with China without taking into account India's interests. Of course, Bhutan is aware that China is a menacing power and that China's build-up in that disputed area is considerable. And there is also some incremental encroachment beyond uh, the boundary dispute into Bhutanese territory, which the Bhutanese monitor very carefully and to the best of my knowledge, keep the Indian government informed. But India is absolutely within its right to stress the fact 
that since this is a matter of such strategic importance to us, because the Doklam Plateau overlooks the Chumbi Valley, which overlooks the Chicken's Neck, which connects India and the northeast part of India. So India is absolutely right in asserting that where its national interests are concerned, it will not compromise. And it says this, not because Bhutan is threatening its cooperation with India on this front, but to send a message to China that here we will draw a line which is in conformity with our national interest. Uh, Ambassador Sopran, if I could take that to you, because um, we do know that uh, talks between Bhutan and China, of course, began in 1984. There were 24 rounds. Uh, it is only in the last few years that we have seen this kind of progress where they have signed a three-step uh, uh, MOU, a roadmap for how the talks would go forward. And now, of course, the prime minister's interview indicates they are close to some kind of uh, uh, one of the breakthroughs. Uh, so I do want to ask you, do you think Doklam played a role? Did it change uh, the way Bhutan saw its strategic threat perception? I don't think it was a process-bound uh, agreement uh, with China. And we were aware about it. I think we were briefed about uh, the developments on the border talks by the Bhutanese diplomats. So it's not a new thing. Uh, what uh, actually the outcome of this, you know, since 84, whatever, this uh, dialogue began with the Chinese, the outcome of this dialogue uh, so far has been that the there was some inaccuracy in the boundaries between India, uh, between China and Bhutan. The earlier the boundary was drawn according to this peak to that, Peak, at that peak to this peak, it was not drawn on the ground, you know, through some uh, some tape or something like that. So it was assumed that this so many thousand square kilometers is a border, length is like that, breadth is like that. What I heard from the Bhutanese is that over the years, in the last couple of years, uh, they have gone into this process of using modern methodology to, to draw the line, boundary lines. So there has been some inaccuracy and the new data has been found where the, where the Bhutanese had more territory than what they claimed. So the excuse what the Bhutanese give is that we have adjusted something here, something there in the north or in the east. So that is the outcome, which is not very good. Unless we are aware about uh, what was happening, uh, silently they were doing something with the Chinese, uh, which is a concern. But what is happening now, it's not just the friendship and the boundary. Mood in Bhutan is changing. Not so much in our favor. The youth, the, the, the people are going out, say, to Thailand, to China, to Australia, to uh, Western countries for education. The officers are not from, you know, they're, they're not a product of Indian institutions. So now you have perceptions in Bhutan where every action of India is seen in a very negative manner. So Doklam may have been used to invoke some kind of a nationalism or some kind of a thing which the, it favors them. And uh, I think China always exploits that sentiment. In that way, yes, Doklam has played some role. I believe there was some road being built, second road, not from Punsokling, but from this side uh, to the Chumbi Valley side. That has invoked a lot of negative sentiments. And 
I think uh, you need more experienced people dealing with Bhutan, diplomats who understand Bhutanese psyche, Bhutanese sentiment, something like Buddhism, like Ambassador Pawan Varma comes from Bihar. He, he was best suited. So we have to be mindful about this unique relationship, which is built on some sentiment, of course. Uh, otherwise, uh, if in a real politic, you know, uh, Belt and Road uh, Initiative offers more money than BNN, uh, whatever that we offer, BBIM. Uh, so, so there is this kind of a competition. Uh, they are aware about the fact that they are, you know, they are surrounded by two neighbors who are not in good terms. So there's a competition, rivalry between India and China. So they've been squeezed in between. Whatever they do, it will be seen in a negative light by either side. So that's 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 this is how the the geopolitics of Bhutan is being played so far. Yeah, it's interesting that you refer now to what is happening inside Bhutan. Of course, we know there's this new youth, new population. Democracy is now uh, 15 uh, years or so in Bhutan. Uh, Ambassador Varma, of course, you saw the changes up close at the time in 2012 when you were there. But we have seen things certainly shift. It's not just what Ambassador Stopdan uh, referred to, you know, in terms of the migration of youth is not necessarily coming to India. Students to India are actually dwindling in numbers and we're seeing instead the next generation going to countries like Thailand, Australia uh, and Singapore. When it comes to China, perhaps in your time, China was not a presence at all. Uh, but in the last few years, we have seen China was able to give Bhutanese some vaccines, although they didn't use them, but they did accept them. There have been cultural exchanges, including a recent uh, program by Chinese cultural troop in Thimpu. Uh, we've seen high-level visits but, uh, by uh, uh, senior Chinese ministers to Thimpu. And then, of course, these boundary talks. What do you think is happening inside Bhutan? Do you think there's a shift in the way they perceive the outside world? I think yes and no. Yes, because countries are not static. There is now a new generation in Bhutan. And I believe that uh, the umbilical cord of uh, educational connectivity between India and Bhutan is slightly frayed because earlier, Thousands of Bhutanese students used to come naturally to India to study. When I was there, both the then Prime Minister and the Commerce Minister had been in St. Stephen's College as my contemporaries. But let me stress that even they had gone on from there to the United States for further studies. Now, as Bhutan becomes economically stronger, per capita income increases, opportunities for education elsewhere increase, some of its young will go to these destinations. But I don't believe this should add insecurity to a relationship where even the youth knows that Bhutan and India's development partnership is the key to Bhutan's continued prosperity and India's friendship with Bhutan. Please remember that our developmental support to Bhutan 
which has now in the 14th five-year plan been increased to 5,000 crores, covers the entire economic sector of Bhutan, where, of course, the hydroelectricity, which is aimed to reach 10,000 megawatts in the next few years, is the biggest and, and most productive source of income for Bhutan. And we continue to play a role in collaboration with Bhutan in a great number of its projects. As far as connectivities with China are there, they have I mean, nothing new or of very great magnitude to my knowledge seems to have happened. There were delegations at a certain level of seniority from both sides uh, in the past as well, and they have continued, especially for the border talks, cultural exchanges, proofs, etc., are nothing new. Don't forget that when there was the COVID pandemic, Bhutan was extremely grateful because their entire vaccine supply was made from India. And we are not talking of gratitude. It is something that is a matter of pride for India because the real friendship is of such a depth and range that this comes naturally to both countries. So let us, let us understand one thing. Earlier, I give a concrete example earlier. For most of their medical requirements, Bhutanese would come to specialty hospitals in India. Now, there is a direct flight from Thimphu to Bangkok, and many of them go there. Now, to think that this means that they are being alienated from India is, I believe, an erroneous conclusion. What it does indicate is that Bhutanese people, and rightly so, have more choices. They have more money to pursue those choices. But I don't believe in Bhutan there is any doubt about the mutually beneficial and extremely vast connectivities between India and Bhutan, which are in fact the mainstay for Bhutan's continued ability to pursue new choices. All right. Uh, Ambassador Stockton, would you agree? Because, of course, we've seen even in this joint statement, uh, India committing not only to the development plans, but to extending uh, a standby credit facility, talking about raising the uh, tariffs, power tariffs, an old issue with uh, Bhutan, talking about skilling ensuring that Bhutanese youth get some kind of help from Indian uh, private com companies in order to skill and to find a new livelihood. Uh, and of course, the, the whole uh, support to the tourism industry inside Bhutan, where Indians are amongst uh, the largest group of tourists there, if, if not the largest. Um, do you think this is then the way forward in terms of uh, uh, mitigating the trust issues between the two countries, if there are any? No, uh, he's right. Ambassador is right. Uh, uh, the the economic uh, developmental imperatives are very important to sustain relationship. Everybody is aware about that. Uh, even in Bhutan, people are conscious about that. Especially if you are talking to Bhutanese who are over 25 years old, uh, knows uh, that India is so important for their existence, for their living, day-to-day -day, uh, survival, for rice, tomato, onion, and all that 
but uh, until 25, you are not in that mood. Uh, so, but at the time of you know this digital uh, thing, uh, the the discourse is led by all kind of propaganda, new kind of issues, which is becoming a problem for ourselves in India. Forget about Bhutan. So these things get um, uh, sort of um, you know many times it get magnified. Uh, wrong or negative uh, uh, campaign propaganda against India on certain name. For example, uh, the, the the media or social media in uh, Bhutan is full of how India becomes a threat through tourism on ecology, on culture, on environment. Uh, the the Bhutanese uh, you know nation. Uh, so these are led by social media. And the little bit more articulate people say Indians are using uh, security issues as an excuse to keep Bhutan under uh, India's control. So these kind of things were not discussed, say, five years ago, three years ago. No, no Bhutanese will talk about such issues. It's a trust. So I don't think economic itself is important to drive the relationship. My own feeling is that Bhutan-India relationship has survived and thrived because it was a Bhutanese-driven relationship. The terms and conditions were set by the Bhutanese. They said, look, we are pro-India. We are positive of India. We have this goal, the Gross Happiness Index, which is not uh, modern uh, science of economics. They have the Buddhist context of economics. So they, they cherish that. So relationship with India is cherished. Now it is coming in clash with the other aspect of the globalization and many other issues. So we, we have to keep it up, not just economically, through transactional relationship, through scholarship, and all these things are being done. But uh, we, we have to find a way, new way out. So uh, that's what I'm saying. Diplomacy is the art. All right. And, and Ambassador Sobdan, if I could ask now both of you the same question, is the India-Bhutan relationship, as we've known it all these decades, is that relationship intact? Ambassador Sobdan? I think so. It is uh, built on a certain uh, spiritual uh, underpinnings. That is not going to go away, which I said in the beginning. Plus the, the imperatives of geography, imperatives of economy, imperatives of connectivity and all that thing, uh, makes it so important. Nepal is also like that, but the, the problem is that we don't have that kind of a vibrancy with uh, Nepal. It's another kind of a relationship. But this Bhutan relationship, India-Bhutan relationship is very, very unique. And we can't afford to lose that. The challenges are there. Of course, the China is uh, uh, putting a resistance. They're coming up with new ideas. My own sense is that the Chinese are using the, uh, the Tibetan diplomacy. Uh, in the modern context, uh, through trade and through other means, which which looks more attractive than say Siliguri, or in uh, you know Jalpaiguri, you know it's it's a totally different world. So uh, the Chinese are uh, using all kind of tools, uh, instrument, methodology to attack the Bhutanese. I'm sure people, Bhutanese are going to Shanghai and Kunming or Chengdu to study or training. Not so much in number, but eventually they will go because the Chinese will offer more scholarships, training. Uh, that's the fear. We have to meet the challenges. Right. Ambassador Varma, is the relationship intact? I think it's not only intact, but will strengthen in the years to come. Because as I emphasized right in the beginning, 
it's now based on a certain iron caste institutional connectivity, which can be unraveled only at the cost to both countries, not cost only, but very considerable cost. I slightly disagree with my friend Ambassador Stockton when he says it was a Bhutan-driven relationship. Of course, he's right to the extent that uh, Bhutan was willing to accept India's assurances with regards to its sovereignty and in time believed in the credibility and genuineness of India to be in its own interest of any help to Bhutan. But what was an intention has now crystallized over the decades into such a mammoth edifice of mutually beneficial interaction that it is difficult to dismantle. And the momentum of economics is such. Take a scenario before you, 10,000 megawatts of hydroelectric power when it comes to fruition. And India is the purchaser and Bhutan is the producer. Yes, there can be differences on what is the per unit price of that electricity. They have been there in the past. Negotiations are held. But it is such a strong connectivity based on geography. These rivers are flowing from the Himalayas to India. They've been harnessed. I give just one example. The key to strengthening this relationship for the future is for India not to show any insecurity about this relationship or in any way, even remotely, attempt to stifle voices, whether on social media or otherwise but pursue this relationship with trust and with complete faith. Important. Thank you so much for bringing to us these perspectives uh, on the India-Bhutan relationship. It's a relationship that is special, is unique, but isn't often spoken about. Uh, and it really helps to have both of you put it into context, including uh, in the context of all the developments of the past week. I'd like to thank you, uh, Ambassador Varma, Ambassador Stobdan, for joining us. And to you, the listener, if you have been, thanks for joining. Thank you. 